0: let us take encouragement that it is God uh, who holds the key and uh, even this meeting is under his control. So if I am to drop out again, uh, then uh, that uh, will uh, be of the Lord. Uh, Let us continue then uh, in our mini-series in Revelation chapter 1 where we have come across an elderly Christian Uh, In his late 80s, early 90s, the Apostle John, who is in exile, uh, in isolation, and he is blessed. Uh, Why is that? Well, it's because he is in the Spirit on a particular day, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And by that, we mean he has an experience of the Lord. Uh, he uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and when that happens to a person it 's not just a feeling uh, but it 's a manifestation I think that 's the best term a manifestation of jesus Christ and what we 've been looking at uh, the last uh, Sunday we were in this chapter is what did John Uh, first of all, see about Jesus Christ, and he saw him as uh, prophet, priest, and king. And then last Sunday, we looked at the effect, the effect that this vision had on this man. And we want to continue looking at the effect, a sight of Christ, because it's not just apostles that can have experiences of the Lord. And we're not referring here now to just conversion. Uh, We can have fresh uh, glimpses, uh, spiritual uh, sights of Jesus Christ as we grow in grace and in our knowledge of him. And it won't just be an intellectual exercise. It will be something that will have a profound effect on our whole being. And we looked last time at what happened to John as a result of this vision. The first thing was he was humbled. He fell down as one dead. This man that had even leaned on Jesus bosom and was his close friend when he was on earth was now completely overwhelmed because he was a sinner Yes, a saved sinner, but he was still in the presence of God and that awesomeness uh, of being in the presence of such a one. But he doesn't remain down on the ground. Jesus touches him on the shoulder and, I'm imagining, raises him up, puts him on his feet and says, don't be afraid, fear not. And now tonight we're going to look at What else Jesus says to him? So let's take up the account in chapter 1, just a few verses, verses 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first. And the last, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades. Uh, That's the afterlife and of death. What wonderful words uh, he speaks to this man. Uh, Yes, this believer who is afraid. And that is why uh, these verses are so relevant to us as God's people this evening, because we can be not just afraid, but filled with a spirit of fear. I wonder if that is you at this moment. I've just noted a few things here that can cause us uh, to be filled with this spirit of fear. Uh, maybe, as we've been singing in that hymn, we're afraid of what may happen in the future. Uh, we're afraid because of this horrible virus. We're afraid for uh, the security of our jobs. Am I still going to be in employed work? Uh, we may be afraid uh, for all sorts of reasons concerning ourselves. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, Awaiting execution in prison, he said to this young minister who had a spirit of fear, God has not given us such a spirit, but he's given us a spirit of love and of power and of self-control. Or you may be afraid uh, of those round about you. Uh, Maybe you're afraid for your children having to grow up in a society like ours And with all these terrible laws that are being passed, and you don't know what will happen to your children, Uh, you want them to become Christians, and if they are Christians, you're still worried for them, Uh, or maybe you are uh, full of fear uh, for uh, the way our country is going in general that it's just going to the dogs, it causes you to feel. Down, and uh, maybe you're afraid of death. Uh, we have been reminded, haven't we, of the closeness of death these last few months. And maybe uh, death is casting its shadow over you, and you are actually afraid, even as a Christian, of having to die. That can be a uh, terrible uh, bondage, uh, being bound to the fear of death. Or maybe you're afraid of the devil and of a spiritual attack and even of persecution. John here was in exile because of the Romans persecuting the church. And you're afraid, am I going to make it as a Christian? If we are fined or even imprisoned for saying certain things, am I going to to survive and it causes you to fear and maybe you're afraid and i know there are a number of people in this category for the future of our churches uh, even after this virus uh, we have heard that maybe some churches won't reopen you're afraid and there are pastors i've heard of who are really afraid because they don't know uh, if uh, they'll be able to preach And if they'll be able to carry on doing things that they did before the lockdown, it can be crippling, this spirit of fear. But here we have the head of the church, here we have the one who is king, not just of your life as a believer, but the ruler of the universe, saying not just to John on Patmos, but to you and I, 2,000 years later, in Uh, Cardiff or wherever you are tonight fear not fear not now these are not just words Uh, he gives reasons why we're not to be afraid so let's look at these reasons and then we'll be done why can I like John uh, be confident that's what we need a spirit of boldness how can i be like that at such a time as this well the first reason is to do with who jesus is the person of jesus christ now we've got a number of statements here which talks about his wonderful person let me just read again don't be afraid i am the first and the last I am the first and the last Uh, if you look at verse 8 of the same chapter he puts the same thing in different ways I am the alpha that's the first letter in the Greek alphabet and the omega the last letter of the Greek alphabet and then the beginning and the end And then in verse 13 of chapter 22 of Revelation, the beginning and the end, uh, that is repeated there. Hebrews 13, verse 8, famous words, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday. It doesn't matter how far back your yesterdays go. He is there today and forever. And it doesn't matter how far into the future you go. He is still there, and he hasn't changed. Change and decay in all around we see. that what causes us to fear sometimes. O thou who changest not, abide with me. This means one thing, my friends. This Jesus is none other than God himself. Only God has no beginning. And only God has no end. From eternity, before the world was made, to eternity, this is the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, that's who Jesus Christ is, and Holy Spirit. Great, my Jesus, in his person. I think of a boy going to school and being bullied in school. Were you bullied? Horrible experience. And imagine if that boy either had a friend that was much stronger than any of the bullies. A friend who had amazing powers uh, that enabled him uh, to put the bullies in their place. Or an older brother, maybe, uh, who was stronger. Oh, think of the difference in attitude uh, that that uh, bullied person would then have. It's the same person. It's the same problems. But what makes the difference is there's another person now in the equation. There's a mightier person in the equation. And my friends, that's what we have in Jesus Christ. We are still the same. We are just as weak in and of ourselves. The problems are just the same. And maybe they are worse than they were before. But it doesn't matter if we add to the equation another who is mightier than the lot put together. Uh, This is what one person uh, said. I'm not sure if he was an early church father or if he was a medieval uh, Christian. It sounds like something from uh, one of those two periods. He's just writing about the person of Jesus Christ. I just find these words so helpful. First, because before me, a God was not formed. Last, because after me, there shall not be another. First, because all things are from me. Last, because all things are to me. From me, the beginning, to me the end. First, because I am the cause of origin. Last, because I am the judge and the end. Wow, I just want to worship him, don't you? Having such a person with me to defend me, to stand up for me, to fight for my cause. Or take the words, that's We had in our reading, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. All things were created through him and for him, and he's before all things, and in him all things consist. Jesus Christ is the beginning. Jesus Christ is the end, and he's everything in between. All things consist in him. Atom is held in place by him, and every problem that you may be facing is included in that all things that are in him. Gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Uh, The five-mile rule in Wales is going to be removed tomorrow, so we can travel further than five miles. But I think the Garth, which is the first hill in South Wales, uh, when you go from Cardiff North, I think the Garth is still within five miles uh, of where I live. And if you've never been up the Garth, you really need uh, to climb this hill, which feels like a mountain. And you can look back at our city of Cardiff and you can put a thumb over it. So if your problems are In that city, uh, if the things that are causing you to fear are in that place, then you climb this hill and you get a better perspective, you get a bird's eye view of your problems. And that's what happens when we just have a vision of Jesus Christ, the one who is everything and the one who is holding everything in his hands and it just gives us a confidence to go back down into our situation nothing's changed but now we've got a new perspective and that makes all the difference does it not but there is something else here about jesus christ uh i am the first and the last i am he who lives Now, a better translation uh, could be, I am the living one. The living one. What's he saying? Well, the Romans, they had their gods. The Greeks had their gods. And even though at this time, when John was on Patmos, it was the Roman Empire that was the superpower. Those gods are nothing. They're just dead idols. And by this point, uh, Caesar, uh, the Roman emperor, was divine. And what John is realizing here is that Caesar is only a human being, a created being. In the words of Isaiah, this is God speaking, the same God that is speaking to John. I am the first and I am the last. It's interesting, isn't it? I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. There is no God. Caesar is no God. All those gods uh, on Mount Olympus are no gods. All those gods in the Roman temples are no gods. All those things that we worship Today, whether they are the gods of other religions or whether they are the idols that we've made up and that our life revolves around, they're no gods. They can't do us any good in the light of all of these problems and especially in the light of death. Jesus alone is the true and the living one. And then there's another phrase. He says, I am. He's not just saying, I am the first and the last and the living one. He's using this divine title, I am. That's what God said when he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. Moses said, who, who, who are you? When I go to the children of Israel and tell them that you have sent me, who shall I say has sent me? And God says, tell them, I am. I am. That I am. Oh, that's an awesome title, is it not? I was what I was. I am what I am. I will be what I will be. You, Moses, you, John, we here, we're just living in this world of time. God is in the eternal realm. God is the one who is in complete control. God is upholding the church. We don't. It's pathetic, isn't it, to think of people uh, imagining that the future of the church is up to them. that, That we kind of support the church. That the church is something weak that needs us to prop it up. Oh no. It is Jesus Christ that props the church. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And Jesus Christ props you and me. We we are the ones who need propping up. And my, he does that. And he is so amazing. I just want to read the quotation. Uh, from one of the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I don't know if you've read The Horse and His Boy. It's about an orphan called Shashta and he's in the enemy territory, Kalormen, and he runs away uh, from uh, his adopted home there and he runs away with another person, a girl called Aravis, and they try to get to Narnia uh, and They have a difficult journey, and often they're chased by lions, which causes them to fear. And Shasta reaches a point where he's left all alone. He's lost. He no longer has a Ravis, his friend, and he is scared. He's afraid. He's filled with a spirit of fear. And what makes it worse? He's aware of a presence that is disturbing him. And he says, who are you? He senses a presence. Who are you? And there's a voice, one who's waited long for you to speak. Are you a giant? asked Shasta. You might call me a giant, said the large voice, but I am not like the creatures you call giants. I can't see you at all, said Shasta. You're not something dead, are you? Oh, please, please, do go away. I'm the unluckiest person in the whole world. Once more, he felt the warm breath of the thing. There, it said, that is not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrows. Tell me your sorrows. So he told how he had never known his real father or mother and had been brought up sternly by someone else, and then he told the story of his escape and how they were chased by lions and forced to swim for their lives and of all their dangers and about the night among the tombs and how the beasts howled at him out of the desert and he told about the heat and thirst of their desert journey and how they were almost at their goal when another lion chased them and wounded Aravis and also how very long it was since he had anything to eat. "'I don't call that unfortunate,' said the large voice. "'Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions?' "'There was only one lion,' said the voice. "'What on earth do you mean? "'I've just told you there were at least several lions.' "'There was only one, but he was swift foot. "'How do you know I was the lion? "'I was the lion who forced you to join with the abbess. "'I was the lion!' who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you could reach the king on time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. And then Shastar asked, but who are you? Who are you? Myself, said the voice, very deep and low, so that the earth shook. Myself, loud and clear, and the third time, myself. Whispered so softly, you could hardly hear it, and yet it seemed to come from all round you, as if the leaves rustled with it. It's Aslan. The lion, that's a portrayal of Jesus Christ. He is the one in complete control. Whatever your fears, whatever you have been going through, whatever your problems, whatever those lions are, if I can put it like that, there's only one lion. There's no second causes. It is Jesus Christ who is allowing all of this. Uh, There's a hymn. uh, It's an old hymn. From the Strasbourg Psalter uh, that they used in the Reformation, this is how it speaks to Jesus Christ: Thou art the life by which alone we live, and all our substance and our strength receive. Come, come, like that account of Aslan manifesting himself to Shashta, like John here on Patmos, like Moses at the burning bush. Come. Give us peace. Make us so strong and sure that we may conquerors be and all ills endure. Mighty Christ, great my Jesus in his person. That's the first reason or set of reasons why we should not be afraid. And then the second, I've only got two points tonight, don't worry. The second, the work. Of Jesus Christ Uh, look at the rest of verse 18 I am the living one and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore amen and I have the keys of Hades and death now his work it is emphasized here by the keys Jesus Christ as a result of what he did during his earthly mission Has been given the keys. Now, what do we mean by that? The key holder. If a person, maybe a famous person, is given the keys of a city, it means they're given the freedom of that city. Uh, The key holder is a person uh, who has authority. Uh, When a person is given the keys of the city, it's symbolic, it's not real authority. But Jesus Christ. After coming into this world, being made a man and living uh, in our place and then dying for our sins and being raised from the dead and ascending back to heaven, what happened? Something new happened. There's a man in heaven now. Before the incarnation, the second person of the Trinity uh, was just God, but now he's the God-man and he's completed the work that the father gave him to do and so the god man has been given the keys he's been given authority he's been given power indeed all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me that is what is meant by the key holder and that's what we've got to grasp it's not just the person of Christ but it's the work he's accomplished and as a result the authority that this god man has been given. Uh, Warren Wearsby. we need not fear life because he's the living one. We need not fear death because he died for our sins and is alive, having conquered death. And we need not fear eternity because he holds the keys of Hades, the afterlife, and of death. The one with the keys is the one who has authority. The one with the keys. We've got a few key holders in our church. Jesus Christ is the only key holder when it comes to life, death, and eternity. Even the devils and Satan himself who will be cast into hell, he's going to be under the authority of King Jesus. Uh, Paradise Lost, Milton, uh, Satan uh, says they're better to rule in hell than reign in heaven. He doesn't understand. What he thinks of us ruling in hell is he's still under the power. Of Jesus Christ. God holds, Christ holds the key of all unknown and I am glad. Are you? Whatever the problems are, I am glad. If other hands should hold the key or if he trusted it to me, I might be sad. What if tomorrow's cares were here without at rest? What if all of our problems were condensed? I'd rather he unlocked the door and as the hours swing open, sing, thy will be best. Thy will, not mine. Now, what does the key holder do? Well, what do keys do? Keys open doors. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. By his death, Jesus Christ has conquered the last enemy, death, and he's dealt with our sins and he's opened the life gates to heaven that all who are in him may go in. Uh, Hebrews, the author to the Hebrews knew what it was to be in bondage to the fear of death. And he says about Jesus that through death, he might destroy him, the devil that had the power of death and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. death of death in the death of christ the best book title ever john owen's work he's opened the door to heaven doesn't that make you glad whatever your difficulties in this life And there there, there are so many things, aren't there? We can sometimes be attacked, not just on one side, but on several fronts. And we may despair of life. But we're passing through, passing through. We're just travellers to think that we've got a place in heaven. And that's guaranteed. Guaranteed. This is how Jesus put it by Lazarus's tomb. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever believeth in me shall never die. Even though we, unless he comes back first, will have to cross that river of death. There is no way around it. All of us will one day have to stand on the brink of Jordan. Jordan in the Bible is symbolic of death. We need not fear. How did Williams Pantacallan put it? I quoted from this hymn this morning. When I come to tread the verge of Jordan, he's anxious, he's honest. Bid my anxious fears subside, death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side and songs of praises I will ever give to thee. We need not fear death. Uh, When I first went to India, I mentioned India this morning. One of the things that I was terrified of was having to travel the roads of India. They're some of the most dangerous roads in the world. And I had a book with me, and I think it was the Calvinistic Methodist Fathers, a Tadai Methodist style. And I read about one preacher from. The 19th century, and the roads of Wales were dangerous then. (laughs) And he had this confidence. And he basically said, I will only die when he, God, decides. He holds the key of death. It doesn't matter what the environment is like, it doesn't matter how dangerous it may be. It doesn't matter what my enemies may try to do. They are all under the command of Jesus Christ. And it's only when he says so, not before, not after, at the exact time in his diary, I will go. And that will be a going home. A promotion. Jean Jeremy has been promoted to glory. Uh, She went from one elderly home to another elderly home. But now she's gone to a heavenly home. There was a pastor in Colombia uh, during uh, the time of the uh, drug cartels, the Medine and the Cali cartels, and uh, the uh, horrible uh, uh, drug lord Pablo Escobar, who was a monster. He uh, was alive, and this pastor. He would not give an inch to them. He would not be bribed by them. And do you know what he used to say? He used to say, wonderful words, if you can grasp this, you will have this confidence as well. I am immortal. I am immortal until my work on earth is complete. What can Pablo Escobar do to me? He can't touch me unless the real ruler gives him permission. Actually, that pastor was finally gunned down by one of the cartels. But he was in glory. Stuart Townend, no guilt in life. This is you, no guilt in life. Don't let anybody make you feel guilty. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Mr. Hyam's hymn, I Saw a New Vision of Jesus, has this couplet, Lord Jesus, resplendent and regal, kingly, drives fear far away from the tomb. So a key opens the door, but a key also locks the door. Now there is something comforting about being locked in isn't it when you lock your door at night there's a security in that and in this life that is full of troubles isn't it so good to be locked in with jesus christ a sovereign protector i have unseen yet always at hand to be locked within these walls of salvation that protect the soul he delights to defend. I know of no blessed place to be in the middle of problems than being locked in with Jesus Christ. He comes to you when everybody else abandons you. He draws near and gives his peace that passes all understanding When everything around you is uh, tumultuous, to be locked in with my Savior. Nothing better than that. But there's a scary thing as well here. People can be locked out. Those who are Christ's, not because there's anything good in them, but because He has been gracious. And because they have gone to him, they've escaped to him. When he comes back as judge, they will be locked in heaven, a new heaven and a new earth. No sin, no separation, no tears, forever and ever. But others will be locked out forever and ever. And if that's you tonight, you're in a very serious position to be locked out, to be in the church. Even, dare I say, to be a member of a good church doesn't necessarily mean you're in Christ. Are we in Christ? Oh, said Paul, to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. That's the only safe place to be in Christ. Once in him, in him forever. It's still open at the moment. The door of grace is still open, but we don't know When Jesus Christ will come back and it will be too late then, the door will be shut and you'll be locked out forever. Hell is forever. There's no purgatory. There's no way out of hell. Today is the day of salvation. Call on him to save you. Run to him. Make haste. Those eating the Passover uh, we were looking at this morning had to eat with haste. Oh, hasten, happy sinner. That's what you can be. To life in Christ forever. Forever. And then one more thing. I'm doing something this evening which is awesome. The preaching of this saviour and his gospel. It's the most awesome task in the world. I'm reading Jeremiah. Have you read that? Maybe in lockdown. It's a good book to actually read through. Jeremiah 1.10. He was given authority over nations and over kingdoms. This young prophet who could hardly speak. Given authority. Over kings. President Trump, Vladimir Putin, the Chinese president, they're not the most powerful people in the world. The most powerful people in the world are the men that God has called to preach the gospel. Those who speak in the name of Jesus Christ, those who are ambassadors. For the king of kings, they are mightier than earthly kings, mightier than presidents, because we hold the keys. Now, don't misunderstand me here. No preacher has the right to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. No priest, no pope has that authority, only Christ, but what we have is the message and there's power in the gospel. And your response to this gospel will decide whether you are in out. Whether you are shut in with Jesus Christ or shut out. He that believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The church at this moment in the West looks as if she's on her last legs. But listen, it's not your church, it's not my church, it's Christ's church. He has the keys. And all he has to do is turn those keys, and things can change in an instant. That's why he's given prayer to us. Matthew Henry said, when God is about to bless his people, he sets them a praying." What we should be praying for on Wednesday night is, Lord, use those keys. Lord, we are in a mess. Lord, sort sort us out use those keys in one commentary on revelation i think it's douglas kelly's commentary uh, you have these only one thing is necessary for the church to go forward and for the gospel to work mightily and that is for the risen christ to use the keys and i think uh, douglas kelly gives the example of the fall of the berlin wall that took us all by surprise i was a teenager at the time But it wasn't just uh, us ordinary people who were taken by surprise. Even the rulers in the West, and I think the rulers in uh, uh, the Soviet bloc, were completely taken by surprise. No one saw it coming. But do you know what was happening before that uh, coming down of the wall? There were prayer meetings. There was a famous prayer meeting in Leipzig. Young Christians gathering together for prayer. Hundreds of them. And I believe that King Jesus heard the cries of his persecuted people. And he just used the keys. And that wall came tumbling down. And other walls, other impossibilities. Can suddenly come tumbling down. God can surprise us. Oh, if only we availed ourselves of Him. Where are you tonight, Christian? Are you filled with the spirit of fear? God has not given us that. Realize who is on the throne, realize what He's done, realize whose. You are, you belong to him and be confident in him. And if you're not in him, why not now turn to him, say to him, like Shashta, who are you? I'm scared. I'm not ready to die. I am. I'm not going to heaven i'm a sinner but you have come to save a sinner like me and i want you to save me and i want to trust in you and i want to follow you and who knows maybe even tonight he will manifest himself the savior of sinners to you for his name's sake amen